How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Yes, indeed. I am joined this morning by Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Good morning to you, Teresa. Merry Christmas. Good morning, Jenny. Merry Christmas and Merry Christmas to everyone else out there. It's kind of a nice day. 16 is the official temperature reading. And uh, uh, if anyone, those folks new to the show, I have to tell you that we tend to get real busy here with questions. So I don't want to leave anybody out of the picture. So if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, you want to ask the Master Gardener that question, you can do it either by phone, you can call in your question, or send Teresa your text question. It's the same number, just one number to remember. That's six five one four six one nine two two six. Well, and you, you should all... put that number in your contact, so you always. Yeah, have. that's a great yeah. idea. Just I know I put did. It in your contacts, yeah, <laughs> I do too. Just put Although it in I don't your use, I don't usually call into the show, but uh, as a rule, say what what uh, what are you doing now in preparation for the for the rest of this winter as far as lawns or gardens? Because I know you have kind of a. I don't want to say a wild yard. I do have I do have a very wild kind of yard. I don't have any lawn or anything. But um, I, uh, what I'm doing is uh, I'm just thinking about what kind of snow or salt that, um, I might have to put down on icy patches. So I want to think of something that's not going to hurt the plants. So, so look about pet friendly and use as little as possible or perhaps use gravel or sand. That's always a good thing, too. Um, and then I'm thinking, uh, now that I've lost a lot of snow, uh, I'm hoping we get a little more snow to cover those roots again. I'm kind of worried about that. And then there may be some pruning that I might have to do in the end of February and March. So I'm thinking, do I need to do some pruning then? Um, and, and I may be chopping a little bit of the evergreens, just a little bit to make some little stuff outside that I can put in some planters and that just to kind of fluff them out a little bit. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. And also what I'm thinking about is everybody should be sending away for their favorite catalogs mm. because when January comes, you're going to be wanting to look at all that eye candy and all the pretty catalogs and then start ordering your seeds or start ordering your seeds now. And if you have family or friends that are gardeners, you'll want to be thinking about what kind of um, gifts can you give them. And the Extension website has some great gift ideas. You know, gardeners like books. You can always give, um, and uh, 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 you know, you can always give them um, tools. Or if you don't know, like there's there's things like um, 
you know, clippers and pruners. And those are a very personal kind of a thing for a gardener to have. So if you're not quite sure if they would like a bigger one or a little one, there's always gift certificates to your favorite garden center where they could actually go in and feel what does that pruner feel like in my hand? And let me, you know, get the right size for my hand and my grip and what kind of ratcheting I need. And then they choose the right one, gardening books. There's all kinds of wonderful ideas. So there's so much going on. It's just crazy. The gardening season never ends. You know, I was just going to say that we, <laughs> we do this show 52 weeks a year. Uh, well, we won't next week because it's Christmas uh, Christmas it's programming. Christmas. But, yep. mm-hmm. uh, but you're absolutely right as far as tools, great ideas uh, for, for gardeners, whether you're a beginning gardener or a wannabe. Uh, the good tools are are vital, and I mean good too. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. just it was a, that's a great and gift certificates too from uh, your favorite garden garden center. It's a great idea. Right. Uh, or, or there's a really cool book I saw on the um, arb on the um, arb site on the extension site. It's about uh, foraging foraging in the wild in the woods in Minnesota, and uh, so it's called the Minnesota Harvester Handbook. That could be something too if somebody's looking. What can I what can I get out of the woods? How can I forage safely? You're right, and and gardening never ends. Fifty two weeks a year never right? ends. No, you know fall fall just uh, ended, and we're in the in the middle of or start of winter, and already we're starting to think about spring. I love it. Right. I'll tell you right. what. Let's do this. Uh, to, by the way, if you have a lawn or garden question, call it in, text it in six five one four six one nine two two six. Let's go to the phones, Teresa, Kurt. I believe, calling in from New Richmond uh, this morning. Kurt, thank you. Uh, Merry Christmas. Good morning. You're on with Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener. Uh, Merry Christmas to you also. Thank you. Merry Christmas. I have a a Christmas cactus that I got from my mom uh, that she started from some of the leaves on there back Mm -hmm. in 1995. Cool. It's on an an eight-inch pot. Mm-hmm. It's about four foot in diameter now. Oh my goodness! Okay, <laughs> you're doing uh, everything right, yeah. Kurt. Why are you calling? Why are you calling? You're doing everything right. Okay, go ahead. Well, I guess my concern is I don't know if I should. Uh, is this thing going to die if I keep it in that small pot? Or, I mean, that's not a small pot, but should I go to a bigger pot? You can. Um, if it's blooming now, I would wait till it finishes blooming and then um, give it a really good drink of water like the day or two before you're going to do it so that those roots are as plumped up as they can, possibly can be. And then transfer just one pot size up. The, the, they like to be root-bound and they'll flower a little better when they're root-bound. So you never want to transplant a small pot into a huge pot. You always just want to go up incremental sizes. If it looks nice and healthy, you don't really have to to transplant it, but you can. It may be getting a little top heavy or something now. So so one pot size up and just use a regular potting soil. If you want to lighten it a little bit, you can. Make sure the pot you put it in has good drainage holes. And um, it sounds like you're doing everything perfect, and that's a wonderful gift. Oh, how nice. Very good. Good luck. And that's how it works. If you want to talk to a master gardener or send uh, Teresa your text, 651-461-9226. Let's see. Talk to a master gardener or send uh, Teresa your text, 651-461-9226. Let's see. Here is one, and I will take a break here in a moment. Uh, Texter says, I have two poinsettia plants that I've gotten to bloom the last two years. 
This year, we were out of town. I was not able to start the light-slash-total-darkness process until October 3rd. I have some red leaves, but no true blooms. Could they still bloom, or should I give it up for this year? What do you think? You know, as long as you started the process, continue the process, because it is a long process, 12, 14, 16 weeks. I can't remember exactly how long it is. Unless you just want to have a very unique um, poinsettia this year and then have it out for the holidays this year. And I'm impressed that you've gotten it to to it's um, actually the little yellow things are the blooms and the um, the flower the leaves actually turn red. So so it's quite interesting that some of the leaves turn red. That that's what's turning red. But we call them blooms, but they're really just leaves. So yeah, so it's up to you. I mean, you can continue the process, but you probably want to enjoy your poinsettia during the holiday season. And if that's when you want to do it, then go ahead and just stop it as it is now and just have a very unique poinsettia this year and then next year you can start it again at the regular time in September or whenever you would normally have started it. And otherwise, if you want, if you don't have a lot going on this time of the year, uh, maybe you're having more things in January and you want some bright, bright, uh, pretty, pretty color in your house in January, go ahead and continue as it is, as it is in the treatment. So then it will get all red for you in January or February. Maybe enjoy it for February for Valentine's Day. By the way, if you're just joining us, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney answering your lawn and garden questions uh, today. Uh, what's the deal with poison, poisonous stuff uh, as far as poinsettias or any plants? What, what, what should we know about poisonous so, plants? So if you, if you have children that eat plants or if you have a daycare, there'll be restrictions that you have to, have to follow, and they'll tell you what plants you can't have. If you have pests, you can always go to the ASPCA website and look for the poisonous plants there. Um, things like cyclamen, I think, are quite poisonous to plants. Daylil- or lilies are very poison- poisonous to pets. Uh, day, uh, lilies are extremely poisonous to the pets. The poinsettia has a milky sap. Uh, it's very distasteful, so you have to eat a lot of leaves to get a, an upset tummy. Um, then this is all in the case of unless you have a severe allergy to the one plant and then everything goes out the window. But but they aren't really technically poisonous. They're just very distasteful, and you'd have to eat a huge quantity of leaves to get to get sick. So one bite into that, and most animals or children are not going to eat it. Well, children might. You never know with kids. So just just be watchful um, and know know your pet, know your children, or know your grandchildren. If they're plant nibblers, then just put those things out of their reach, or just don't have them in the house. Yep. Know your surroundings for sure. Your All right. Yeah. Let's take a quick break, uh, Teresa, inviting our listeners to join in on the conversation. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, yes, we do talk take lawns, uh, talk lawns this time of year. In fact, I have a couple. Of, in fact, there are a couple of questions coming in via text uh, asking about lawns. Now, here is the number for either phone call or text, 651-461-9226. In the Twin Cities, uh, our temperature reading 16 degrees here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Lawn and Garden Show. We call it Smart Garden. We are here every Saturday on CCO Radio in the 8 o'clock hour. Thanks to good folks like Master Gardener Teresa Rooney helping you out answering your lawn and garden questions this morning. And you can uh, call in or text in, same number, 651 461 
888-900-9226. All right, Teresa, let's see. We have a caller from Champlain. I think Claudia is calling in from Champlain this morning. Claudia, good morning. You are on with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Good morning, and I hope you're having a wonderful day. Yes, indeed. You too. On, I have a question on my Christmas cactus. It was a wedding present 54 years ago. And over the Hi. years, almost killed it a few times, etc. About three years ago, I noticed that when I watered it, the water just ran right through. So I went and got a slight, I thought, slightly larger pot. I went from a 12 to a 15. Put all new dirt in it. Put it in there. It's growing like crazy, but I can't mm-hmm. get a flower off of it. What do I yep. need to do? Um, you'll have to wait a little while. Uh, going from a 12 to a 15, that's a big jump for a plant, and that means it has a lot of root space to grow, and those roots are growing crazy, so it's really happy. Um, they they like to be a little root-bound to bloom. Also, your house might be too warm, so it needs to be in a cooler place in your house, like 60, 65 degrees. Um, and in the if it is a Christmas, and a, congratulations on keeping it alive that long, that's so wonderful. And it just goes to show that plants want to live. So we can bring them to the point sometimes, and then we can bring them back again. So I'm just impressed by your 54 years of plants. That's wonderful. Anyway, um, so so it just needs to get a little rip bound. Um, it may be in too bright of a space. Uh, in the fall, it, as the light goes down, if you keep your, your Christmas cactus outside in the summertime, and then you put it in a shadier place in the fall, there'll be a little bit of coolness in the air. So the temperature is going down. The light is being restricted, and both of those things will help to trigger buds. But if you bring it into a warm, warm house, it may just be too warm for it to bloom, and it isn't a bigger pot, so it does isn't as root-bound as it was before. The roots aren't in there as tight. Um, so, And if you have a really bright light, that could be it, too. So those are some of the things you might want to think about, Claudia. And good luck with that. I'm impressed. That's yeah, cool. That's great. It really is. Six five one four six one nine two two six here on the Smart Garden Show. Um, here's one. In fact, this was on my mind this week too. With the record heat we had last week, Texter says, Teresa, did that detrimentally affect the dormant lawn seeding I did last month? Uh, Texter lives in Minneapolis. What do you think? I had the same question. That that's a good question. You know, as humans, we feel these this heat very quickly, and we respond very quickly. Plants don't feel the heat as quickly. One or two days is not going to do anything. It, it's just not enough for them to turn around all their chemical reactions that they're working with in in their in their systems to to, to accept that new heat. It's just like. It, it needs to be, you know, many, many, many days or a few weeks for it really to start to impact. So you're all going to be safe with that. No problem at all. Very good. Yeah, I had hoped to. I shouldn't say hope because we need the snow cover. But I thought if it was going to melt enough, I could kind of finish doing my uh, <laughs> seating. But uh, that's okay. We'll uh, we'll see. It is what it is. It is um, what it is, yep. The, uh, again, if, you, uh, if it's easier to send your uh, lawn and garden question via text, Six five one four six one nine two two six. Here is another one. What is a good variety of carrots to grow? One variety I recall was straight eight. Have you heard of this? And what's the secret to growing carrots uh, that are like the ones I can buy in the store? <laughs> 
good question. Okay, there's there's a, carrots uh, come in a lot of varieties. There's the little nantes, which are really little short ones. They're little short, like eight inches long. And then the uh, straight eight uh, comes to mind as a cucumber, but maybe there's a straight eight uh, carrot too. Um, just buy the one that, that looks good. They need a really loose soil. You want you thinking you have that little taproot. The carrot part that you see the root, then sometimes there'll be like a little root on the end of that. There's that little that little root that you see on the end of the carrot is a is a part of the taproot, and that taproot is microscopic as it gets smaller and smaller. So you're just seeing a teeny tiny part of it. It has a huge microscopic. Uh, taproot that goes way down and the more problems it has in the soil the more uh, rocks or really hard soil that's just really hard for that little root to get down straight and give you those nice straight carrots so you may want to think about growing your carrots in a raised bed where you can really make that soil nice and fluffy and nice and rich they do need full they would prefer full sun and make sure when you're planting your carrots that you're you're thinning them out and so that means you plant a bunch of seeds carrot seeds are really tiny so it's hard to plant them as far apart as they need to be so as you as they start to come up and they take a long time to come up to germinate so when they finally come up and you start to see oh now imagine that you're looking at the top of your carrot from like a bird's eye view and you see you want it to be about an inch around or maybe you want your carrots two inches. I don't know how big you want your carrots to be, but imagine your seeds have to be that far apart so that your carrots can get big like that. So what you can do is when they first start coming up really tight, you can actually pinch off the, the ones that don't look as strong and kind of thin that row a little bit. You can eat those carrot thinnings. They are great in salads and, and on your sandwiches, or you can just let them lay right on the soil and they're decomposed. And then you may want to go back in a little bit later and do that again as they start getting bigger. Thin out some of the littler ones, the ones that don't look so healthy, so you have space for your carrots. And I say just to pinch it off. Don't pull it up, because if you pull it up, you could pull up the ones next to it and disturb their roots, and you don't want to do that. So I hope some of that will help. And go to the our, uh, website, extension.umn.edu. There's some great information on growing carrots. Yeah, we'll mention that again, as we always like to do before uh, Teresa leaves us today. Extension.umn.edu. Great amount of uh, information on that uh, website. All right, let's do this. Let's see what's ahead weather-wise, Teresa, and invite our listeners to join in on the final half hour of our show. Any kind of a lawn or garden question, you can call it in or you can text it in to Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Here is the number to remember, 651 461 9226. Denny Long here on a Saturday. By the way, we'll be off next week. C51461-9226. Denny Long here on a Saturday. By the way, we'll be off next week. CCO will be giving you some holiday programming the entire day of Saturday. So, uh, And by the way, too, I want to remind our listeners, uh, Teresa, that because I know you have animals there at uh, your house, that after... Uh, the weather, and after this show, and after Andy Lindis answers your home improvement show in the 10 o'clock hour, you can ask the vet. Veterinarian Dr. Gene Geske will be visiting with us in the 10 o'clock hour answering your uh, pet questions, so keep that in mind. Straight ahead here on News Talk 830 WCCO.
And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here along with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney answering your lawn and garden questions. This morning, how do you get to, to Teresa? Well, you can do it by text or if you want to call and chat. Same number, one number to remember, and that is 651-461-9226. Teresa, we always like to uh, mention for those that uh, know it or especially those that maybe are unaware, we have this jewel of a resource called the University of Minnesota Landscape Arboretum. Tell us about that, yeah. and, and there's year-round there's stuff to do. There is stuff to do. It is an amazing place. It's out on Highway 5, um, just past County Road 41, and then you take a left into the Arboretum. You do need to register and get your tickets. You can buy memberships, great holiday gift for your families. Um, it, and it just has so much going on. There's, You can see trees that are full grown. You can see lovely gardens in the summertime, great bulbs in the spring, lovely fall colors. The grass garden, the ornamental grass garden on Three Mile Drive is magical. When you get into September and August, it's just August and September, it's just magical. Um, there's mazes out there. There's a Chinese garden. There's a Japanese garden. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. There's a wonderful gift shop. There's uh, art galleries. It's just an amazing place. They have what they have called a three-mile drive, and in the summertime, you can actually drive on that and stop at various garden points along the way, look at hedges, or look at spring-blooming shrubs, or look at the rose garden. Um, right now, the three-mile drive is closed they're cleaning it but they're still keeping it open they're cleaning and sanding they're still keeping it open for walkers and drivers but you can always find out um, what what the status is just by going to the Arboretum's website and look at the status of that you can snowshoe you can ski uh, there's there's tours there's a tram that goes through in the summertime I think they still have the tram there's just so much going on out there um, it's just a wonderful place to go uh, often there'll be master gardeners if COVID ever ends there'll be master gardeners out there again answering questions on site on the weekends it's just an amazing place to go so Go out yeah. there if you can. Yeah, and yeah. if uh, especially if you're having uh, friends or relatives uh, visiting uh, this season, this holiday season, mm-hmm. a great place to, uh, to to bring everybody out. Right, All right, they have a winter lights out there now, so oh, you that's can right. actually yeah. go through at night and you can walk the winter lights. I think that's an extra ticket that you have to purchase. Um, and I think I believe Julie last week was saying you could catch buses to get in there, and then you don't even have to worry about parking. Absolutely, so that's yeah. kind of nice too. So, yeah. yeah, just get on the web and uh, and and check it out. The Landscape Arboretum. All right, Teresa, let's get back to the text messages. Here's one. It says, "My mandevilla is glossy and green with new sprouts growing." When I Brought it inside this fall. I washed it well and sprayed it with an indoor-outdoor insect spray made with botanical pyrethriums or <laughs> something <laughs> yep, close so to that. Yeah, you did good, Danny. That's oh, okay. good. <laughs> I did take two it's, years it's of It's a chemical Latin. they take from chrysanthemums. Yes, we oh. all took Latin in high school, yes. Okay. yes a chemical made from uh, chrysanthemums that helps uh, repel and kill insects. However, Texter says, I've seen a little white flakes on the leaves, which I regularly wash off and spray both sides of the leaves and the soil with insect spray. I just recently saw via a magnifier tiny green bugs that crawl but don't seem to fly. I repeated my uh, process, but the white flakes returned within a couple of days. How can I break this cycle? 
Okay, so what you need to do first of all is identify whether that's scalers and they're in their crawler mode. Uh, once they be they uh, they crawl around when they're little, when they're and then when they're adults, they actually um, hook onto the stem of the plant and they get like a little armored shell in them. So your chemicals are not going to work unless you do a, a systemic. Um, there's there's all kinds of different insects or mealybugs. Uh, if there could be spider mites, this is the time of year and into January and February we need to start looking at our house plants because they're under a lot of stress and stressed plants can really attract insects and you wonder where they're coming from I have no idea it, they come from magic places I don't know um, they just suddenly show up in your house you know it's whether they're brought in on winds or you bring them in from walking through the malls or there were eggs in the soil that finally hatched who knows where they come from but sometimes we just get them so what I would do is I go to the extension website and look carefully to see um, what is this pest on my um, my plant, my mandevilla, and and figure out from there what to do. And that will give you a good idea. If you, you need to identify the pest first, and then you will find the treatment for it. So you just don't want to use the same thing over and over again because it may not be right. You may not be using it at the right timing. So, so you need to identify that pest first. Good okay. luck with that. Yeah, but it sounds like you did all the good stuff bringing it in, yeah, washing sure. it and everything else. That's really good. Sure does. All right, let's get back to the phones, Teresa. Barbara is calling in from Maplewood, Minnesota this morning. Barbara, good morning. You're on with Teresa. Good morning. Good morning. I'm calling with a, a beautiful Christmas cactus story. I have, um, I'm, I'll put it this way. My grandmother died in 1939. I'm 80 years old, and um, her Christmas cactus has gone through the family over the years. It was very huge at one point, but mm-hmm. through being knocked over and it's so brittle that parts of it broke off, and and we've saved every piece that's broken off in the family. Everybody in the family has a piece of it that we've st- started rerooting in the uh, in water. Mm-hmm. And it's some of our family members. The plant is beautiful and huge, and uh, two pieces I have were broken by my cat, and that was <laughs> 15 years ago. And now it's it's not real big, but it's full bloom right now, and mm. and, and it has bloomed in November, and it's bloomed at Easter time. It just kind of not not every year but mm-hmm. um, but it's just such a fun thing to see when we go to the the grandchildrens and the um, <laughs> the daughters in the oh. home and and see these beautiful my, my sister's daughter has just a beautiful it just flourishes up into Lewis sure. in the right mm-hmm. window but it's such a nice story and and it's I am. It's over a hundred years old. Wow! Wow! Isn't that, it? That's an amazing. What a great you know, story. Because you can have those passed down plants, and and it's a plant, but it carries so much memory and history, and it's a family legacy. And you can do that with your plants. A lot of plants you can do that with. And Christmas cactus seem to be one that ha- that happens to a lot. Um, and that's just. Oh, that's a beautiful story. Brought tears to my eyes. Thanks for making me cry. Thank you. (laughs) And related to that Christmas cactus, uh, this texter says, can you cut a Christmas cactus back to make it fuller? And if so, when's the best time? 
I don't know if you can make it fuller, but you can you can just break off the little the little bracts, the little leaf sections at the end, and then if you want, you can um, grow those on, uh, and that will that will shrink it down a little bit. And um, unless it's really in, really super woody, it may start then branching out uh, in other areas uh, to, to grow and not be continuing longer and longer, just maybe a little more bushier. So you can trim it a little bit. Yes, you can. Okay. I was just looking at this next text. I like the way it, it opens up. I'll just read it as is. Hey, this is Jerry up in Duluth. I've got some, hi, Jerry. I've got some hi, acreage Jerry. that has a thimbleberry growing on it. And I have, a rel- I have a relative down in the Twin Cities that would like to transplant some of that. Can you tell me if that's legal to transplant from Duluth to Minneapolis area, specifically Robbinsdale? Thanks for any answers. Is there any legality I, I, issues here? I don't believe there's any legality issues. I believe thimbleberry is a native plant, and I know a lot of, uh, I know some master gardeners who actually have it. So go ahead and transplant it. Dig it up early in the spring as soon as, well, they'll probably get their, their plot ready first because Duluth will be a few weeks behind us. But as soon as the the soil thaws out up there, you know, dig up a section and just bring it on down and transplant it. That's a really good thing you're checking on, Jerry, moving plants. You need to know if you can bring a plant into a certain area and if it's invasive or not wanted in that area. So that's a really good question. Thank you for thinking of asking that question. This uh, texture, Teresa, said I had four inches plus, uh, four inch plus maples and pines moved in the fall of 2020 with a 44 inch spade. Should I water during the winter? That comes from Pete in Annandale. So watering is always a good idea, usually, right? But but not if the ground's frozen. So now that the ground's frozen, the water would just run off. Like that rain that we got after, after this week, that water just really ran off. It did. The water would just run off. Like that rain that we got after, after this week, that water just really ran off. It didn't help our groundwater at all. It didn't help the roots. It may help swell some streams and some lakes, but it's not going to help it. Once the ground is thawed, then you definitely can water. But if the ground's frozen, you don't want to be putting fertilizer down. You don't want to be putting water down because if we get any kind of melt, it just washes off. Nothing happens or the rain just actually, the water will just run off or just turn into ice and you don't want ice all over your yard instead. So just wait till the ground thaws and then go ahead and start your watering program. Very good. We're going to take a quick break, Teresa. We'll be back on the other side with more show 651-461-9226. Keep in mind, any home improvement questions you have, that's next hour with Andy Lindis here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here, along with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, uh, answering your lawn and garden questions this morning. Uh, we have callers, Teresa. We have texters as well. So many. Uh, let's see how many we can uh, help out before you take your okay. leave today. Uh, let's head to beautiful Lindstrom. I think uh, Harold is uh, waiting to ask you a question. Good morning. You are on with Teresa Rooney. Hi. Would you like to show one thing? We like your show on Sunday mornings or Saturday mornings, too. We watch, we listen a lot. Uh, my you. question is about the Greenja limelight tree. 
I, I planted it about maybe five or six years ago, and it's doing gorgeously. I probably did too well on it because we live with near the lake. We have a breeze from the west regularly, and the tree has gotten to lean about maybe 10 degrees to the, to the east. And mm-hmm. I've tried to straighten it and uh, with a post and so on, and nothing seems to work. Is there any hope for that tree? That Can I prune some of the heavy stuff off the bottom? Or should I um, just cut it? If I cut it down, will it rejuvenate itself? Okay, so there's you have some options, Harold. Um, you can stake it uh, to pull it back a little bit. Each year that you stake it, Every summer, when if you're going to stake it, you want to stake it during the growing season because that's when it's going to be moving. So you want to stake it during the growing season um, and and try to bring it uh, a little bit more toward the west. And then if you have to do that the following year, wherever you put that that part around the tree trunk, you need to put it in a different spot because you don't want to compress the same spot all the time. So only one growing season can you have it at four feet. Next growing season, you might have it at three feet if you need to stake it. You can also thin out a lot of the flowers and the leaves because that's acting like a parachute and catching that wind, and it's going to keep pulling the tree over. That's that's naturally what the tree is going to do because that's how it's reacting during the growing season. So uh, I wouldn't say, you know, cut it back because if it's a tree, it may not return to tree form because it's on a standard so you so see you you just thin out that crown a little bit um, during the growing season that will really help and if you need to stake it otherwise just enjoy the fact that this tree is living in its environment and reacting how it should and you know can you live with a, a tree that's that's a little leaning toward the east and and just just enjoy the beautifulness that how healthy it is and how strong it is that it can withstand the wind even on those tough days. Very good. I want to make mention, Teresa, of the university's website, uh, extension.umn.edu, because on that website, among millions of other things, you have a Mm -hmm. a thing called Ask the the, uh, Master Gardener, Ask the Master Gardener, right. So you can can actually send text messages to Matt or text messages to master gardeners and include pictures a few pictures and real master gardeners are just sitting there you know twiddling their thumbs well no they're all really busy but they're just waiting for waiting for your questions so please um if you can't find them the answer with a real master gardener live and in person you can find it on the website go to the extension um, ask a master gardener and ask your question there. That's a good point, Denny. Thanks. Very good. And uh, if you want to ask this master gardener a question like this, I have two orchids, Texter says, that have stopped blooming. What do I do with the stalks? Okay, so once they stop blooming, you can cut those those uh, stalks down, the stems down, and those are probably the Phalaenopsis or orchid or the moth orchid. Those are the most common ones. Just go ahead and cut those down. We have good orchid care information on the website also, but they and they'll bloom again in and maybe another year or maybe six to eight months, depending upon how how active they are. And so they'll bloom again. But orchids only bloom. For, uh, they bloom for a very long time, but once that, that stem is done, just go ahead and cut it back, and you're ready to go. Okay. Last year, Texter says, I tilled up a new spot in my yard and planted potatoes there. What should I plant in that spot next year? What's a good vegetable to follow up potatoes uh, with in the next year? 
Okay, so that's a good question because what the, what the person is referring to is crop rotation. So you don't plant the same family of, of plants in the same spot every year because that same family attracts the same diseases, attracts the same insects, and takes out the same nutrients from the soil. So eventually you're going to have insects, diseases, and a poor soil. So you just need to find a different family. So you wouldn't want to plant tomatoes there. Maybe you want to plant um, your greens there. Maybe you want to plant beans there, or you want to go with the cruciferous vegetables and plant a bunch of kale and cabbages and things like that. Or maybe next year that's the melon patch. Um, so you have some options. Just any any other family will do. Um, it, they'll all bring different things to the soil. And uh, again, in the beginning, in the spring or in the fall, it's too late now. But in the you just add you know add some compost into the soil that will reinvigorate the soil, and then plant your next family in there. And you can do a three to four year crop rotation, and that will break a lot of disease and insects. Insect, insect cycle problem. Try saying that one fast. Okay, Teresa, we have a couple of minutes to go. Let's see if we can grab okay. another text here. I've been reading text. This is a lot about the benefits of native plants and how they are important to our native pollinators. I'm wondering, Texter says, are there any non-native or near-native plants that offer the same or similar benefits as natives? there are. Uh, so if you're looking for asters, you know, purple dome aster will be great. It's not quite as wild as our regular asters. So a lot of the hybrids will work. Uh, some of the liatris will work. Uh, the gay uh, feather, that will work. So there are a lot that you can use. Um, just, just maybe if you want to test it, plant a native and plant one of the hybrids and just observe it. How does it do? How many pollinators is it attracting? And then you can see, oh, this hybrid's going to work for me too. Some of the hybrids work just fine. Absolutely. And again, uh, Teresa, let's uh, let's tell our folks, uh, listeners, to uh, check out the university's website, if you would. Right. Extension.umn.edu or go out and uh, check out the Arboretum. And you all have a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and Happy Holidays. Yes, absolutely. And to you as well. Thanks for all your help the, this you. the past year, Teresa. And we look forward to having more of it in the coming year. Next year. Talk to you later. Absolutely. That's uh, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney here on A3OWCCO. Yeah, she's right. We'll, uh, we won't have uh, our usual shows a week from today because it's Christmas Day, and WCCO will be having the entire day uh, featuring uh, holiday and music and stories and things like that. So our other shows, all of our normal shows, will be on one, uh, two weeks from today, which would be a brand new year. Chance of snow this morning. We'll uh, see highs of near 23. We dropped to 9 overnight. And then tomorrow, partly sunny, high near 30. Get those home improvement questions ready. Andy Lindis will be coming along next hour with our home improvement show. And then in the 10 o'clock hour, if you have any pet questions, you have a dog or cat or plural at home, you can ask uh, Dr. Jean Geske, veterinarian, who will be joining us in the 10 o'clock hour. But home improvement next here on News Talk A3OWCCO. Right now in the Twin Cities, we uh, still have a cloudy sky. Our current CCO temperature reading 16.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.